This is part two of episode 12 of Camden Cast, recorded on September the 22nd, 2011. I'm Mark, I was joined by Andrew, and we finished going through our playoff predictions and talk about how you pick a team for the playoffs when your team, like ours, the Orioles, is not involved. Joining you in progress, we hope you enjoy. So okay, let's, let's move on to the National League. So again, if the season ended this instance, we would have Philadelphia Phillies versus the Arizona Diamondbacks with the Phillies holding home field through the whole playoffs, <laughs> right? Because the NL won the uh, All-Star game. It's just not fair. And the Milwaukee Brewers versus the Atlanta Braves. Who is supposed to be able to defeat the Phillies? Yeah, I, In a five-game series? Okay, you get lucky. Your number one goes up out those Roy Halladay. It's been known to happen. Your number two gets to go up against Cliff Lee. <laughs> Come on. And then, I mean, who's even going to be their number three? Cole Hamels, I guess. Yeah, they're Cole Hamels. I mean, because it's every not other like, uh, Kyle Hendrick and Vance Worley have been slackers. Those guys are both sitting on, obviously, ERA is not the number one predictive tool, but now, easy. The Phillies defense is, is not rated very well. No. So it's astounding that those guys. And their offense is not like Cliff really Lee, Halliday, and Hamels have all thrown over 200 innings. All have sub three ERAs. Hamels has a .98 whip. Halliday has a 1.05 whip. Lee has a 1.03 whip. You're facing two of those guys twice if you go to five games, and one of them once. That's yeah. Good luck. Philadelphia is moving on. Bar something. <laughs> I mean, crazier things, but come on, Arizona. They they're not even close to as talented as as Philly. So then we've got the Milwaukee Brewers versus the Atlanta Braves. And Atlanta looks about as much of a mess right now as Boston does, honestly. Maybe more. Possibly more, because it's looking like their awesome reliever tandem of, what is it, uh, Tony Benners and Craig Kimbrell are kind of uh, out of gas, possibly because they've been... (laughs) <laughs> ridden so hard to get it. They've been used for approximately every relief inning, and that may have caught up to them. Yeah. Who knew? Who knew that would happen? Hmm. So let's see. Johnny Venters has thrown 85 innings. Craig Kimbrell has thrown 75. Pretty uh, pretty yeah. tough to ride a reliever that hard and then expect him to still have something in the tank in October. I mean, it's not necessarily that, but yeah. It's what it looks like as this. I mean, these are like, it's like their rookie year. And they're going to throw 80 plus innings and then go deep into October. No way. You know, that, that's just asking for trouble. So that gets, so in our, in our hypothetical world here, where if Andrew and I are good baseball prognosticators, we'll have New York and Detroit in the ALCS. Again, it's just tough to say, well, New York is going to lose. Although I think Detroit has a pitching staff where you could imagine them shutting down the Yankees over a seven-game series. Yeah, you know, I, I'm going to be... My rooting interest is primarily going to be whoever's playing New York. For sure. Um, and I've seen New York lose in the postseason an awful lot. But they're the class. They're the class of the American League. Again, and that's tough. I don't like it, but... They're the best team. They they very well might be the best team in all of baseball this year. And they, they do have 
a very weak defense and rotation for the playoffs. Get past Sabathia and you're, you've got some question marks because it'll be right. the first time really in the rodeo for uh, Ivan Nova and either Garcia or Cologne. I mean, I mean, a seven-game series, you probably see both of those guys. Yes, certainly. Un- unless they're going to put Sabathia on short rest every day. Well, it's, which they might. They've already shut him down this season. Might be in preparation for. You're getting the ball every other day in October. So over a long series that could favor the Yankees more because they're non Verlander and Fister. Then you're getting into some. Yeah, like Porcello. Rick Porcello Chester. did not have a very <clears throat> good year. Brad Penny, ugh, Max Scherzer, I guess, would be their third guy. But. The money, the smart money, would be on the New York Yankees, unfortunately. Well, yeah, and it's it's always going to be on the team that does the best in the regular season, especially if that team's from the East. But you know, it, it is all or almost all who's hot instead of who's best. Yes. And Detroit has been red hot all month, um, which doesn't mean anything in in and of itself. But if if it comes down to confidence, I guess. It's going to be tough to bet against Detroit behind Verlander, who's been really, really good, and Fister, who's been great since he came over. Detroit should uh, be feeling good, and I, uh, yeah, I think they should have an even chance. But again, it's and they hard. do have if if I'm right, and defense is the primary thing you want in the postseason. Detroit's got the the ballpark for it. Not that that will help because their opponent is also in that same ballpark, but their team is, I think, a little more built for it. You know, the Yankees are a heavy offensive team. That might get a little uh, toned down playing in Detroit. If their bats suddenly go quiet, that's trouble for them for sure. But I don't know. I couldn't. I don't. Wouldn't expect it to happen. And I dislike that reality. <laughs> no. So, don't. If you're playing money, don't bet against the Yankees. You know, if gambling were legal, not that I would gamble even if it was legal, but... Purely for entertainment purposes. Just just to see if Andrew and I know anything, you can put us down for a New York victory in the ALCS. And that gives us an NLCS. We have the Phillies against the Brewers. And again, you expand that Phillies rotation out to seven games, and it's like, oh, you're going <laughs> to see Halliday twice. Oh, you're going to see Cliff Lee twice. Oh, and then you're going to see Cole Hamels twice. Yeah, you need to be able to beat Cole Hamels twice, I, I guess, because he's their weakest starter. And then you need to still defeat Roy Halladay and Cliff Lee twice. So, you know, good luck with that in Milwaukee. And Andrew and I were talking about this a bit before we started recording. Milwaukee's one of the feel-good stories of this season, really. They've you know they're gonna they're about to lose their best player and pretty much they've gone to kind of go all in to try and compete this year and it would be nice if they won one for their fans before they yeah. uh, you and know, you know they they're in the same boat as Detroit where they're getting hot at sort of the right time if that matters Granky's turned it on down the stretch he could be you know nobody's ever seen him in October. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows how great he could be? So the Brewers would probably line up. I, I don't know how their guys go. Sean Markham is their ERA leader. He's almost thrown 200 innings. He probably will by the time the regular season ends. 
Giovanni Gallardo and Randy Wolf are both 200 or more. Well, Wolf is definitely. But I mean, be their number four guy. Yeah, these guys just haven't had the years that, like, because basically, and again, ERA is it's the easiest thing for me to reference. Not obvious, not obviously the best, but just you know, all those Phillies guys we named have like one run of ERA on all those Brewers guys we named. And you can pretty much line them up like one for one. Like Cliff Lee is at a 2.38. Sean Markham is the best Brewer ERA, and he's at a 3.31. And it's it's pretty much just one to one like that. And uh, you know that's that's a pretty significant quality difference in terms of results over the whole season. Yeah, but this isn't a season. It's not a season. It's it is a, game. a game. It's one game. And I think I like Milwaukee's offense a lot better than um, Philly's. And Milwaukee's bullpen is nothing to sneeze at. They got John Axford back there. They have K-Rod, who's done very well since coming over from New York, and a couple of other guys. I think that was F-Rod, not K-Rod. <laughs> We're getting our rods confused. Francisco Rodriguez is on the Brewers, right? Yes. Yes. He was. He was just complaining. Um sometime last week about not getting enough save opportunities with the Brewers. Well, <laughs> it's just, just like, what do you have to complain about? Come on, guy. You're going to the playoffs. You're not on the Mets anymore. Enjoy your life. But he's still been very good. And John Axford, their closer, who's been very, very good. Two ERA. You know. We would like to see... A two ERA from our closer, that's for sure. Well, our new closer. Our new closer, Jim Johnson, is... Or was he going to be a starter? Yeah, and see, Andrew and I spent so much time <laughs> in the last podcast. Like, oh, Jim Johnson, they're going to make him into a starter, and now suddenly he's the closer. And if they're ending this season with him as the closer, it probably means they're going to start next season with him as the closer, unless they go sign another free agent closer. One of Andrew's favorite theories to make me cry is saying that oh uh, Jonathan Papelbon will be the Orioles closer next year. I actually don't think that's very likely. That was when we thought Because I don't McPhail think Jonathan Papelbon will sign here. Yeah. <laughs> I think you could look at someone like Jose Valverde, who's been perfect in save opportunities this year, despite you know That would be the guy the Orioles would sign because they would just look at the saves and say, Oh, he's a good closer. Which is stupid, because they finally arrived at the answer I wanted them to arrive at, like, two years ago. Make Jim Johnson the closer. That's that's perfect. He's cheap, he's young, he's great. Could have had him, instead of Michael Gonzalez, we could have had a second-round pick. Right, yeah. We could have just... not had Kevin Gregg. It would have been fine. It really would have been fine. And... But... They, they got there eventually, which is all that counts. And we just have to hope that they stay there uh, going right. into the next season. So, okay. So we're on a World Series, I guess, of uh, Philadelphia, New York. Oh, I'm... That just sounds too, too planned, obvious. It's too chalk. Think? That is right. There's it's, no it's, way that's going to happen. It seems too... Okay, so we'll go both. The favorites... We'll say, we'll say, how often do you think the favorites match up from each league? I really don't know. That would be interesting if we had thought of looking at that it seems like it doesn't always happen so we'll, there's we'll always something like crazy, new york maybe? gets eliminated and, in the first round by the indians yeah. or something like that so what go a little crazy and say milwaukee against new york in the uh in the world series maybe well i'm i've got my fingers crossed milwaukee detroit 
That would That's, be a nice. That would be the most interesting. And last year I got I when the playoffs started, I told my girlfriend, you know, if it was San Francisco, Texas, that would be so interesting, so cool. And it was. And it was. So aside from who we think will win, there's always the interesting question of who Orioles fans should or will end up rooting for. And we all have our own reasons for just kind of latching onto a team vaguely, sort of, but not really, but, you know, whatever. It's fun for the playoffs. To, to show up on Cam to chat during the playoffs and to, you know, everybody's got their different rooting interests for whatever reason. Yeah. Like my, and then everybody's making fun of everybody else. I think my playoff team is probably Detroit, just because I think Verlander's team going, you know, riding Verlander through the playoffs would be a good story. And also, just generally, I feel like Detroit as a city has a lot in common with Baltimore as a city in terms of cities that these days are mostly known for, you know, when they're in the news, it's like crime. and. Yeah declining industrial whatever so you know i feel a little kinship with the detroit people so i would like to see the well, team. justin verlander is my favorite baseball player i as, as strange and maybe uh heretical as this might sound i might get a justin verlander t-shirt because i like him that much and i would totally wear that just everywhere i go um just something about him being both dominant and very calm seeming like you know he doesn't seem like those chest pounding kind of guys like java chamberlain or or anybody like that he He's just not a goes out there he does his job he does it better than anybody else and um he is he's from virginia isn't he uh I am not the baseball player's biographer, so honestly, I'm not sure. I feel like every time he pitches at Camden Yards, he has family there, and he always like blows them kisses or something. And that's just always left me feeling Let's like... See. ESPN.com player profile says his birthplace is Mannequin Sabot Sabo. I don't know. I probably mispronounced that. If you're from Mannequin Sabo, Virginia, I'm sorry uh, if I've mangled your... Your location, and he went to college in Old Dominion. So, so there you go. There is a little Virginia sort of local connection. So, yeah, I will definitely be rooting for a little mid little mid Atlantic collection. Yeah, Chesapeake primarily Bay State uh, collection uh, connection rather. Primarily against the Yankees. I do not have the same aggressive nature towards the Red Sox for whatever reason. I don't. I, I like seeing them lose, but I'm. I don't hate them like i I watched them win two world series and i just i didn't feel anything i I don't i just i just don't hate them i don't know i don't know what's wrong with me it's only been since they won the second world series and their fans turned into the pink hat nation that they really yeah i I get upset about that i've been to well i stopped going to red sox games in baltimore because it's just depressing more than anything else but I don't know. I just don't. I don't hate the Red Sox. I am rooting against them. I right talk now. about this on Camden Chat a lot. Between New York and Boston, I hate whoever we're playing right then. Most, <laughs> but when we're not playing either of them, I hate New York the most. And there's never been a question for me. And I've talked about it before, and I'll talk about it again. The 1996 ALCS, Jeffrey Mayer. It's the reason why I will hate New York more than anyone, any other team, ever. It was just, Can't argue with that. It was just my formative baseball experience. Yeah. And 
for that reason, I will always hate New York the most. I think that might be the first thing I like really remember as a thing happening in a baseball game. I definitely watched a lot of baseball before that, but boy, it doesn't get a lot more forming than that. It was really, I you could probably argue it was a life-altering experience just in terms of something. I don't know. Something. I mean, I would have been an Orioles fan anyway, but that just made me really, really an Orioles fan. And in in between our last podcast and this one, we had that game where the Yankees got the home run that wasn't <laughs> yeah. a home run right. with video replay. And I've written on the site, and I just it really shook my belief system to the core because I will go to my grave believing that if there had been video replay in the 1996 ALCS, the Orioles would have won the World Series that year. Maybe. Here's what I don't get about that game. And you're talking about the game that started at like 11 o'clock. The 11 p.m. four-hour rain delay right. game. There, I watched those angles, and it did look like interference to me. But it didn't look conclusive because the one angle we got was terrible yeah. for judging that. To me, so, and obviously I'm a homer, it looked like it hit the, the guy in the oh, chest. Yeah. And he was I, leaning I over. Agree. And, I uh, agree, but... Like, why don't we have a dedicated angle saying, like, this is the camera right over the wall. Now you can see the wall and the ball. Because they could do that for NFL games, and baseball needs to find a way to get that, too. Like, how can you have this rule but not have... Like, it's 2011. Get a... Big Brother is out there, guys. Come on. What are you doing? So, I would not say that if the Jeffrey Mayer thing happened today that it would get overturned. And that would be, I can't believe so it after harder. I watched that game because yeah. they, they, they had video replay and they still got it wrong in my eyes. So it's really, it's shaken my, uh, my entire life philosophy to the core. It's it and of course in that game. It didn't matter because the next batter hit a home. Right. It, it didn't, but it was still very frustrating and uh, I hate the Yankees. So that's that. <laughs> It did sort of feel like getting a flashback. Yeah. Like, I, where am I? <laughs> I like I don't remember specifically like exactly what I was doing. But my main memory of that I, is the next day I went in and I, I was in social studies class in eighth grade, and my social studies teacher was a big Orioles fan, and he came in and he gave us all of these quizzes that he was grading and he failed everybody and he was like, "I'm sorry, I'm very mad at thirteen year olds right now, so you all had to fail." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he corrected that, but that was that was my big memory there, and uh, it was it was quite a thing. So, yeah, I hate the Yankees. That's uh, that's the moral. And that's why. that's why. And that is why. I wonder if that had never happened, if I would hate the Yankees right now. I don't know. I I can't say that. I huh. would, I. It's. Uh, Maybe I would. Maybe. Because I, I mean, like Baltimore people have always disliked the Yankees, and that's fine. But I would. Yeah, but I feel like you need something like that. You wouldn't have but that. It's like with the Red Sox. On. Like I don't have that moment. No. They have, so it just I I don't feel that. Like what are we gonna that's get mad about? The Mother's Day meltdown in two thousand seven. Like whatever. I blame that on Sam Perlazzo right. more than anything else. Right. So you know that's that. And uh, I guess we're about at the end of our. End of our time limit here. So, Andrew, do you have any final thoughts on the playoff scenarios or the Orioles? Or well, I am every day rooting 
to see the Red Sox collapse, having just said all that stuff about not hating the Red Sox, I just think it would be terrifically hilarious. Um, I, I do have a thing about fan bases that covet other players, uh, other teams' star players. Like, um, I specifically remember CC Sabathius last year in Cleveland in spring training. There were Yankee fans like hounding him, like, "Come sign with us!" Like. We're keeping a spot warm for you. And it's like, guys, like, come on. Like, you can't just ogle other teams' players like that. And for so long, Red Sox fans have been doing that same basic thing to to Adrian Gonzalez. I was just and, thinking that when you were telling that. Right. I, I don't necessarily mean to his face or anything. But that's just the general gist. And they got him. And the worst thing is, is when... They ogle that player, and then they get him, and then they're great, and then they go to the playoffs, and they have a successful playoff run. And it would just be terrific to me to watch the Red Sox collapse amongst so many injuries and ineffectiveness and, and Darnell McDonald plays. And not even make the playoffs. Having like gotten not only Adrian Gonzalez, but Carl Crawford, and like they spent so much money on their pitching staff, and it's just all coming unglued, and it's just... It's it's wonderful. I'm basking in it. So I guess my final thought is uh, I'm kind of curious to see Moneyball. I'm not an insider, so I didn't get an early screening, and everybody's talking about it, and I I, I don't think I'm going to like it, but I need to see it anyway. And uh, I've heard the the people I know who have seen it have all liked it. Um, it looks good to me. You know, I'm not expecting it to be half as good as the book. But it looks good. I like Brad Pitt. So maybe so. the next time we talk, I'll talk a little about Moneyball. I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't really know when we'll be back. We'll be back sometime. Andrew has a top secret. Is it top secret? Andrew's going to um, be very busy for the playoffs. It may be top secret. It may not. It may be top secret. Uh, and so we'll we'll try to be back and maybe talk about the playoffs, maybe talk about the Orioles, maybe do something crazy and have like a respectable media person on the podcast if they want to come talk to you. Us. and hopefully it'll be uh it'll be interesting even though it's off season and there's no baseball and I've, i'm really sad about that because i think it's going to be an interesting off season for the orioles it's uh, i'm very much looking forward to what happens there's a lot i think it will be very important yeah so hopefully it's mostly good stuff and uh there's only one way to find out i guess and that's to sit here and wait <laughs> and be ready to either cheer or gnash our teeth as we always do yep pretty much so I guess that is all for tonight, September the 22nd, 2011. So, Andrew, it has been a pleasure. Thank you, Mark. As we close the book for the 2011 regular season of Camden Cast, our inaugural season, really. So it's been a, been a blast, and we will certainly be back. So for Andrew Gibson, I am Mark Brown. This is Camden Cast, and we're out.